Hey, Wolfies, are you ready for the bite? I would rip out your throat with my teeth and then whisper in your ear, I'm the alpha. Well, little did I know that exactly one month later, I would be working on Team Wolf. The only reason why I hang on to this friendship. So they were the dream. They were. You know, to us. Yes. Oh, hey, yeah, have you met Will? Magical forces at work that I just had never really seen that way before. Beautiful, beautiful monsters. Just being able to find so much joy in Team Wolf. Welcome to Return to Beacon Hills, a Teen Wolf Rewatch podcast. I am one of your hosts, Will Wallace, and I'm joined by... Clarissa Mullis. And Kate Colvin. Every week, we'll be watching and talking about the hit MTV series one episode at a time. But this week, we're talking about us and our experiences with Teen Wolf. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at RTBH Podcast, as well as on Tumblr and TikTok at Return to Beacon Hills. If you'd like to ask us questions or offer suggestions for future topics to discuss, you can email us at returntobeaconhills at gmail.com. Excellent. All right. So we are three friends who love Teen Wolf. And what are we doing here tonight? What is Teen Wolf? Teen Wolf was a supernatural adventure series that premiered on June 5th of 2011 on MTV and aired its final episode on September 24th, 2017. Cannot believe that was long, that long ago. The series <laughs> ran for six seasons and 100 episodes and was created by Jeff Davis, who'd previously created the hit series Criminal Minds, and the show was based on the movie Teen Wolf, written by Jeff Loeb and Matthew Wiseman. It was a very wacky 80s film that was nothing like the tv show almost nothing at all <laughs> so what are we doing with this with this podcast kate why should people tune into this yeah so we want to introduce new viewers to the hit mtv series and be a place where fans of the show can come together to talk about our love of supernatural creatures and a small slash large town in northern california that can seemingly survive anything that's right. The The size of Beacon Hills kind of changes depending on the scene slash episode that's happening. So whatever the story needs, if you need uh, downtown skyscrapers and subway systems, Teen Wolf has you covered. If you just need something folksy and down home backwoods, Teen Wolf also has you covered. Beacon Hills <laughs> is the Springfield of the supernatural teen genre. So whatever you need, the city has and or the and town has. Also filled with the most beautiful people in the world. It is. That's that true. is, in in fact, accurate. And many of them turn into monsters. But uh, that's Still okay. Beautiful monsters. <laughs> yes, beautiful, beautiful monsters. And they're all that's in high school. That's I'm willing to pay. It is. All right, so how did we all discover Teen Wolf? So We, we yeah. didn't really get in on the ground floor, I wouldn't say. Was it the first or second season? Um, it was actually, I think, the end of the first season headed into the second season. Right. It had already, we hadn't even started watching it at the time that the first season was airing. Is that right? I think that's right. Yeah, we watched it from, <laughs> we watched it between seasons. Like, gotcha. yeah, we caught up during the first season mm -hmm. and then we were waiting for the second season to air. Right. Well, that, that is a little bit different than my story. My story is I worked on Teen Wolf, and I was a writer on Teen Wolf, and I wrote five episodes of the series by the time it ended in 2017. I didn't start as a writer, though. I started as just a lowly PA scanning documents in 2011 for some 
I don't know, Twilight ripoff show called Teen Wolf. I remember very distinctly that I was watching Jersey Shore, the epitome of class and sophistication, and they showed the very first commercial for Teen Wolf. And I remember I was watching Jersey Shore with my then roommate, Mike, and we both saw that commercial and we were like, oh, it's just some Twilight ripoff. It's going to be so bad, so stupid. Well, little did I know that exactly one month later, I would be working on Teen Wolf and I was scanning documents at the MTV offices down in Santa Monica. And they shot the show in Georgia for the first two seasons, but they came back to L.A. to do pickups and reshoots for those first two seasons. And so I somehow got hired by Atia Henry to scan some documents. I still wasn't impressed. I was still too cool for the show at that time, being <laughs> unemployed for like two years at that point. And I just that explains asked... the Jersey Shore. Exactly. And I'm pretty sure he watched all of Teen Mom, but he didn't want to admit to that. It's, this isn't a, a Teen Mom podcast, but... Yeah, so I asked Karen Gordetsky, one of the executive producers on Team Wolf, who I was working with at the time, I was like, you know, can I just like read the pilot script for the, you know this show that's probably not going to be any good? And she gave me the script, and I read it, and it was awesome. Like, it was just good. It made no sense that it was good. And she let me borrow the other 11 scripts that I, uh, for the first season, I took them all home and read them all over the weekend, and I was hooked. And I remember telling Mike, and I was like, Mike, the show Teen Wolf, we're totally wrong. We were so wrong. It's really, really good. <laughs> it makes, again, no sense that a show dealing with this premise, high school kids, you know, Twilight was still big at that time. It's like high school kids, supernatural, whatever. But it was just good. And then, uh, so I made sure uh, that uh, Karen Gordetsky and Joe Janier, two executive producers of a show, that I really wanted to work with them again. And they said, oh, you know, Will, we really like you. Uh, we'd like to work with you more. You can always move to Atlanta. And I was like, ah, I can't do that because it's expensive. But they were great. And when the show went back to Atlanta, I sadly stayed in L.A. And then for uh, season two, when they came back, they hired me again. And I, I worked with them again. And then with season three, they came back to L.A. for good because they got the California tax credit. And I was one of the first people they hired. It was Karen or Joe called me up and was like, hey, all right, you're a PA on our show now. Go sit outside this old speaker factory in Northridge and watch trailer trucks be unloaded with sets. So I did that for a week. I just sat in my car and read a book and watched tractor trailers be backed up to this old speaker factory and all the sets be put into this big space that we were using as a set. I made sure everyone knew that I wanted to be a writer. And then about halfway through season 3A, I got a call one day while I was out on a run from Jeff Davis himself. And he was like, hey, Will, you still want to work in the writer's room? And I was like, yep. He goes, okay, well, you're the writer's assistant now. So tomorrow, come to the writer's room instead of the office. And that was awesome. And yeah. And so from then on, I was working with the writers. And then, so that was season 3A. And then in season five, we finished writing or breaking episode 507. And and we would all, uh, all the writers would sit around the table. And we had a projector project onto a screen, like all of our, the documents we were writing and all this type of stuff. And Jeff closed the document for 507 and opened up one and said 508. And he said, uh, Will, you're writing this episode. And I was like, oh, my God, it was awesome. <laughs> it's like the greatest day of my life. And then, yeah, I didn't mess it up. And they gave me another episode. And then Jeff was like, all right, you're just a writer now. So stop getting us coffee. We'll get someone else to get us coffee. You're a writer on the show. <laughs> and I wrote three more episodes. It was awesome. The greatest job I've ever had was working on that show. And also because, you know, I got to write on that show, but I also met two of my best friends working on that show. So why don't y'all let us, uh, you know, let us know your story and, and see how our, our paths intersected. So 
For us, we, as we said, we didn't start watching it when the first season was airing. And to be perfectly honest, I think we probably had the same idea that you had, which is that it was probably not going to be amazing. You know, it had been a while since Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We weren't sure that they could make another supernatural teen drama that was actually going to be really good and really compelling. So Teen Wolf already had a decent sized following by the time we started watching it. But a mutual friend of ours recommended it because it was a genre show, which she knew we were into, and it was queer friendly, which was a big recommendation point. I also remember her sending an article written by a fan called Why Styles Stalinsky is the Best Character on Television. So that was really interesting. I read it and I thought, okay, maybe I'll give it a try. And really, it wasn't long before we had Moon Day viewing sessions and Teen Wolf themed birthday parties. We were just hooked. Then we moved to L.A. Yeah, so we moved to L.A. at the very end. It was like literally three days after Christmas Mm -hmm. of uh, 2013. Um, So we started the new year, 2014, in Los Angeles. And we didn't know anyone there. We were sharing a tiny studio apartment in Koreatown. And even, like, we're from a decent-sized city in Indiana, but it was still, like, just super quaint compared to Los Angeles. It's just nothing. Like, we were, it was terrifying experience yeah, being in Los Angeles. Yeah, there's just no comparison, really. No. So I sort of threw myself into my favorite show, which was Teen Wolf, as a distraction to keep from just panicking every day. <laughs> I found out they were having a Teen Wolf convention called Days of the Wolf in Burbank in February. But we should we should clarify, though, the reason we moved to L.A. is we wanted to be writers. Yes. Yes, that's a good point. And actually, a um, little segue story here. Uh, we had a sort of a professor of mine, my script writing professor, who was mentoring us before we moved. And he told us to have some spec scripts before we moved out. And we told him we were really into, like, teen supernatural shows. And he's like do you guys watch Teen Wolf? You should do one for that show. And it was still brand new. It was before we started watching. We were like, oh, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Are you sure? But then, you know, we watched the first season after we got into it and we're like, oh my God, yes. Hell yeah, we're writing this spec script. (laughs) So we wrote a spec script for it. And listeners, for those of you who don't know, a spec script is what you call it when you write a script for a television show that already exists, that has either been made in the past or is currently airing. But yeah, the convention Days of the Wolf, we decided just to volunteer for it. So we got to work it. And I think going to Burbank was the first time I drove anywhere in LA because I already have driving anxiety anyway. And just like driving in LA is just, oh my God. If you've never driven in LA, it's an experience. Yeah. If you've seen horrifying... that scene in Clueless, it's, actually, it's yes. really accurate. Extremely It's a so. documentary scene. <laughs> That's really why we became friends is just because... Calissa didn't want to have to drive anywhere, and I didn't have a problem driving, so they were like, we have to stay friends with this Yeah. So. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. I'm still waiting, even though he lives in a different state now, for him just to come up here, drive us around, give us team advice. That's it's, the only reason why I hang on to this friendship. This is the longest time of all time. Yes, exactly. We... Worked the Days of the Wolf. I took the position of green room security, which no one else wanted, but I was thrilled to have. They were actually like, oh, we feel like so bad for you. Like, you're not going to get to see any of the panels, doing this stuff. I was totally fine because I was like, everyone in the cast has to go right past me. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, I feel like if you're like, I want to see cast members, just like volunteer for the green room because that's where they all go. Like, you're right. going to see everybody. 
No one tried to storm the green room. We didn't have to like keep them away. So I think Matt um, McDonough was the first person who I met. And he was the amazing genius behind the Teen Wolf marketing. And he was just so kind to me. He's just always very friendly and asking like about their interest in the show and everything. He's just a great guy. So I was telling him. Yeah, we're writing partners. Yes, writing partners. And so he introduced me to Angela Harvey and Alyssa Clark, which was a huge deal because they were the female writers on Teen Wolf at the time. So they were the dream. They were. You know, to us. Yes. And then in April, we volunteered for the next Teen Wolf convention that I found, which was called BiteCon. This time, I think it was the entire writing staff of Teen Wolf came out on the day. Is that true, Will? Was it yeah. the entire? Everyone was okay. there and then me. So I had met a lot of people already at the first convention and I ran to Alyssa again. I was being that obnoxious person being like, hey, will you read this pilot that Kate and I wrote? <laughs> yeah. And she was like, oh, hey, yeah, have you met Will? <laughs> He's the writer's assistant. So, yeah, she did. She just kind of palmed herself on Will, which I don't blame her. Like, he is noted. No, I get it. So I get nice. it. He will talk to you two right, right now. And, and Will is just like the absolute nicest guy in the entire world. It's all true, folks. And right away, I was like, oh, hey, Will, will you introduce me to Jeff? And he did. He actually did. Yeah. He's like, yeah, sure. And Jeff is a very cool guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was he was definitely in a hurry, but he was very nice to meet. So Will, yeah. he friended us on Facebook. And then it just, our codependent relationship just happened very, very quickly. It spiraled very quickly. We met on, <laughs> we met Will uh, April 18th. By April 25th, he had actually read our Teen Wolf spec script and given us a ton of helpful notes. I think it was like, I think he sent that to us the day after we met in a diner and we talked for like six straight hours. Yeah. Yeah. We talked, it was like daytime and then we left like at yeah. midnight or something. It was middle of the night. We met at Mel's Diner. That's it, Mel's Diner. Mel's Drive In. Mel's Drive In at Hollywood and Highland. We sat down at this diner, the three of us, and talked about writing and movies and whatever nerdy stuff we could think of for truly like six hours. The funny story about that first meeting though, which I don't know if Will wants me to tell <laughs> So afterward, when we're finally ready to head home and they're kicking us out of this diner, Will was like, okay, I'm walking you to your car because he is a true gentleman. We're like, oh, we don't have a car. And I don't know if the subway was even running at that point. And he's like, oh, I'll take you home. And I was like, that's so sweet. Strange man I know in LA who were just meeting for the first time, well, second time. And so, like, yeah, we got in the backseat of his car, and back by, I was just like, I very, like, covertly, like, just pulled up uh, Google Maps to make sure he was taking us back to our apartment and not taking oh us somewhere to murder us. Just had so, she probably had Twitter open, like in case she needed to do a last minute tweet that was like, Teen Wolf writer's assistant Will Wallace has kidnapped me. <laughs> I'm sure Kate was up front. She just had like, was gripping her keys, like little Wolverine claws or something <laughs> like that, you know? So, but no, but, I got them home to their place in Koreatown. We, we talked the entire way. So, I mean, it was. My plan was actually, if anything untoward happened is I would rip out your throat with my teeth and then whisper in your ear, I'm the alpha. But yeah, no, <laughs> Will was just like completely awesome and nice yeah. and trustworthy and not a murderer, not which a was murderer. really wonderful. We met him. April 18th, like I said, by June 12th, 
he got us a job um, working as extras in one of the episodes of Teen Wolf. And yeah. it was like, it was amazing. It, it was a dream. Uh, that one, the first time it was a lacrosse game, I think. Was that where y'all made the signs? We didn't get to we didn't get the it. signs, but yeah. we didn't. Well, that's where you had the signs. Was that when that was? I think that was the first time. Okay. Yeah. They gave us a sign that said. Um, Cyclones, blow them away. Yes. I remember <laughs> that. Great. I was delighted. Yeah. You know what? I remember all the details of this experience because, it you know, it was the first time that LA felt like the way it feels when you dream about it, you know? Yeah. And it was funny, like, I think it was sometime, it was definitely before we met Will, maybe between conventions, there was like one day we found out where they were filming and we just showed up to set. Do you remember that? Yeah, we had business cards. We had those yeah, we were business like, cards. Okay, yeah, we were like, we're going to just go and try to like, we went, we were, had this thing where we were going to just like any productions we saw and we're like, hey, here's a business card. Will you hire us as PAs? You need a PA, yeah. The thing about in LA though is there's so many jobs they just everyone wants you to work things for free when you first not actual yeah. productions but so many like shady like oh you need experience before you can get on a real production so here we're doing like a pilot right. or student films or and student so, films. you know not to say there are absolutely some projects where they can't afford to pay people but they're not getting paid either it's a it's a labor of love and I don't want to disparage any of those kinds of projects. Yeah. We absolutely worked on some of those where, you know, it was a student with an, an art project and it was it was good for the experience. However, <laughs> there are also productions that are definitely people just trying to take advantage of other people who do need that experience. And that's really unfortunate that those also exist. But luckily yeah, for friends. us, anytime Will had a gig that he could get us into they were they were real real jobs with yeah. real paychecks. <laughs> well, I remembered what that was like cuz my first my first job in LA was working for 30 bucks a day on a terrible movie that no one should ever watch. I won't name it, but I don't want to <laughs> be that. This is the one I have on DVD, Will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we watched it so we could see Will as No, 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 no. That's the second one. I made oh. a whopping fifty dollars a day on that one. In the world. No, no. Yeah, so no, but anytime I can help y'all, I try to, you know, just because I remember what it was like scrounging and not having anything. Because you're right, everybody wants you to work for free because you know, they're just like, it's the experience. You're getting your name out there. And I was like, yeah, but that doesn't, you know, pay my phone bill. So we went to where they were filming at the high school. So we got to see the mm -hmm. actual high school location before we were properly invited. But yeah, there were some other Teen Wolf fans there. And we're just seeing if there was any yeah. uh, assistant director who would take yeah. our, our business cards. <laughs> but the cast and crew were so nice, even though like there was just like several fans that just showed up to like watch them film and stuff uh i think the very first person we talked to was todd oh todd baron todd baron the camera todd guy baron yeah what was his official title though he, hold he on, never me... remember todd you always give people crap about remembering you but you never remember todd no but like every time i feel like you're always like but who's todd todd baron oh who... yeah interesting fact was one of these cinematographers on the oh. infamous room 
Yeah, I remember you telling us about that after the fact, and it was amazing. Yep, that's exceptional. We also one time worked way after we'd met him several times at that point um, as extras on Awkward, and he was on set that day and was like, oh, yay, I know you, and that was exciting. Oh, he also worked on Leprechaun in the Hood. I wish I had known that at the time. Preacher, that's dope. But anyway, yes, so the first person we met on set was Todd, and he was super nice, and they were doing some fight scenes at the school and they had Arden Cho come down at one point and she took some pictures with us. I think I saw that picture somewhere. Yeah, she was lovely. She was. She's very, um, very nice. I, I want to say someone else came down just to say hi, but we can take pictures. But yeah, everyone there was just I super cool. I feel like it cool. was cozy because he had makeup on. Oh yeah, and they and said so, we could, yeah, they were like, people can't take pictures because we don't want anything to be spoiled. Right. Yeah, that we was. We had to deal with that much later when we had some actors on, it was like the final season who had just like a couple of lines in a scene. One of them actually took pictures of their sides for that day and posted them on Instagram. Aww. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, we that were was fun. always like the best fans about never spoiling anything though, it's right? True. It's very accurate. And then uh yeah, so we worked as extras on June twelfth, and then by just June twentieth, we got our first set tour with Will. It was amazing, but we've been total besties ever since. Can you yeah. imagine actually just working on a show and then meeting a couple of fans and actually befriending them? <laughs> I just it's sort of it's T-minus, you know, seven years on this friendship, and it still kind of amazes me. Totally worth it. And to jump way back to when you were saying how how great uh, Angela Harvey and Alyssa Clark are, because they both are fantastic people. Very um, talented. Uh, yes, I actually sat in on the writer's panel, the, the Teen Wolf writer's panel, and I was Hi. not supposed to be there as far as I knew, because I was just walking with the writers from the green room to the stage, and there was someone there holding the curtain open so the writers go through. And I just stopped at the bottom of the stairs like, all right, I'll see you when you get up. Hi, and, and, and Alyssa turned back and was like, come get up here. She pulled me up on stage. It was great. That was a great, uh, that was a fun convention because it was fan run, you know, and all that. So it was like clearly everyone right there was dedicated to the show. And- I That is, I mean, they were really well organized and well run, which mm-hmm. just shows you how strongly the fans felt about the show. Which is actually a good segue, I think. What is it about Teen Wolf that has drawn people in and kept them there for so long? I would say that all of the characters are instantly engaging. You know, like, I mean, from the pilot on where you meet Scott lacing up his, 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 you know, throwy, catchy lacrosse stick and doing, you know, pull-ups and all that. Because he wants to be first. He wants to be on first line, you know, so that's what's driving him. And then you meet Styles who's come to ask his best friend to go find a dead body. You know, it's like, so Scott wants to be great at this thing, and Styles just wants to be where the crazy mystery action is, you know? And, and but I think that's, to go back to the, to why Teen Wolf, you know, like what we love about Teen Wolf, why is it lasted? Why do people care so much? I think it's, I think ultimately the characters are all great. You know, it's like all of the characters are relatable. You want them to succeed and you want the bad guys to fail and you want our heroes to triumph, you know. And I think just Teen Wolf is a great example of that type of storytelling that just kind of hooks people. I think for me, a big part of it, too, was the take on the werewolf mythology. It's, It's different. You know, there are a lot of elements to it that, especially as the show went on and they kind of deepened the mythology and added more layers to it 
there are powers that they have and mm-hmm. and that's part of what makes it so much fun as a writer like writing that spec script that world is so interesting to work in it's a great sandbox and i think a lot of people really responded to that and are still responding to that if you if you get on AO3 <laughs> yeah it uh we were actually looking at the stats yeah which is oh archive of our own Yes, which for is those for, for who anyone aren't who's not big uh, fanfic people, right? So oh, is that what AO3 stands for? <laughs> yeah. oh, I don't get it. Oh, okay. Well, we have to we have to be sort of Will's little fandom dictionaries sometimes because um, he's not as plugged into that culture, I guess. But um, so fan fiction, if you aren't aware, is when fans write in a world that's already been created, whether that's a TV show, a book, a film, you know, comic book, manga. And um, one of the places that you can post that work and read other people's work is on a website called AO3, which stands for Archive of Our Own. But yeah, so we were looking at the stats on AO3 and Steric, so Styles Derek, is still the number three ship on AO3 of all time. So ship stands for relationship, by the way. Yes. So that would be a romantic relationship between Derek Hale and Stiles Stilinski. Which is not canon for anyone who's new here. We're both bisexual. Yes. I can say that because I doubt any of my family will ever listen to a podcast. (laughs) And it was recommended to us by a friend of ours who is asexual. You know, we're all in the community and we're always recommending things to each other that are queer friendly. But it was interesting you know, to get a glimpse of the fandom before you get a glimpse of the show itself because it's a very particular lens, let's say. So you start watching it and you're like, wait, where's where's that relationship we kept reading about? I do feel like what really drew people in is that Jeff Davis wanted to and did create a world without homophobia. Yeah. And that was just really exciting for these characters to, yeah, inhabit Beacon Hills where there's all this stuff going on, but you don't have to worry about a hate crime going on, mm-hmm. which then Dan Levy went to do, went on to do with Schitt's Creek, is, and that's another one of my favorite shows. Yeah. And it's just really refreshing to watch a show where characters can just be out. It was normalizing, and yeah. that's, kind of, that's comforting, I think. I, I remember reading something that a fan wrote about it saying, you know, in cultural depictions of high school, we typically see, like, the sports coach as, if nobody else, the last bastion of, like, protecting this very antiquated idea of what masculinity is supposed to be and, the you know, protecting this heteronormativity. And so for that character of all characters to be talking to one of the players on his team and making it really clear how much it's not a big deal to him, it's really striking. And yeah, I think that that was something that really resonated with a lot of people and still does. That I remember in the pilot script when uh, Scott gets to school the next day after they go out looking for their body and all that, I remember in the in the business, in the description of what is happening around Scott, there's like a bit where it says, boys and girls are holding hands, boys and boys are holding hands. You know, that it's just delightful. Like, like this is just it. There's going to be a lot happening on this show for people who are coming to the show for the first time. A lot happens on this show. There's a lot of drama. There's a lot of trauma, but none of it is about this. Like this is just, in this world, it's just like homophobia does not exist. 
that it's just who cares type of thing. And it's just, we're not going to deal with it. Everyone's out. And if they're out, they're out. Great. And that's just life. We're moving on with it. And people like who they like. And that's the end and of it. And if you're not and- out, you could be. There, There is something really special about that. A lot of people responded to that, which I don't even think... <laughs> I don't even think we got to that point about the AO3 stats. We didn't. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Steric is still number three of all time. And despite Teen Wolf being off the air for four years, over 3,000 fics were written for that ship last year, and over 10,000 fics were updated on AO3 for Teen Wolf as a fandom. It's mind-blowing, right? And I think, if I remember correctly, that on the list of ships, number two was from Supernatural, which just went off the air. There is something kind of remarkable that Teen Wolf is able to compete on that level when it's been off the air, right? right. you know, for yeah. for several years. Would you, so, think, would you say that because it has 10,000 fics that it's thick and incredible? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Teen Wolf is just the best. It's just a good show. You know, it's just solid. And for us, it just holds, like, such fond memories because it is how we met. And It's the um, bedrock of a beautiful friendship. It is. A lot of our best memories of L.A. are also memories of Teen Wolf. And, you know, thanks to Will, they're kind of of inextricably linked. The joys that we were able to find while we were there were because of Teen Wolf and the people working on it being really open and kind. Yeah. I don't know if we would have lasted more than a year without finding Will and just being able to find so much joy in Teen Wolf and Teen Wolf events. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I if I remember correctly, the year after we met, it was my birthday and I was feeling sad because, you know, I was in a, a huge city in a tiny apartment and Will sent me a happy birthday video that included a happy birthday message from Tyler Posey because that's just within the scope of things that Will did and within the scope of things that Tyler Posey was you know okay with doing for some random girl who liked the show you know so yeah that's really it's really special. I had a job interview that I was super anxious about and Will had Dylan O'Brien write a message for me and sent me a picture with it <laughs> and it was just so amazing. It I I am truly amazing. Um it's, <laughs> you are. it's quite incredible actually. But no, no 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 those actually just for your dating profile. Yeah. Those two stories y'all just said, they highlight just how awesome all of our cast were. You know, that we just had a great cast, you know, who were always very kind and very generous with their time and would always take pictures with people or make little videos and stuff like that just because they're good people. You know, I mean, they're they're just good people who... They're sincere. Yes, they are sincere. Which is really hard to find in L.A. (laughs) Every time we were on set... We always, I just always felt so welcome by mm-hmm. people and just everyone was so kind. I never encountered anyone who was like, that was a bad experience. No, it was just right. great. Wasn't it Eric Wallace, one of the writers who, when y'all came to set that one time, put y'all in his seat 
And it was like, no, 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 come closer to Video Village. Y'all need to be up closer. Yeah, Eric, get in Wallace. My seat. Eric Wallace is the other best Wallace that we know. <laughs> <laughs> he is delightful. Eric's fantastic. Very, also very kind. I yeah. believe he's the showrunner on The Flash now, right? Flash right now. Yeah. yeah. That is he's super a fantastic amazing. writer and, and just a great person, you know. So And, like, everyone on the cast and crew is just, they're great. You know, because I feel like everyone who was working on the show realized that it was a special show to a lot of people. When that happens, it it's harder to become jaded, you know, uh, because you know that that the thing you are making, the thing that we are out at Griffith Park Woods at like four o'clock in the morning shooting this werewolf fight. It's like, you know what? In six months, someone's going to watch this and it's going to be their favorite episode of the show. You know, that that's what's going to happen, you know, and that everyone is going to be talking about it the next day. And Bryce Peterson's going to do his funny recaps and all that type of stuff. You just make it a good show that people love. I feel like Teen Wolf just has totally spoiled me because I haven't fallen into a fandom since then. (laughs) Like before Teen Wolf, uh, I was super into Buffy, basically anything in the Whedonverse. Yeah. And then after that was Supernatural. And then the next one, yeah, I fell in love with Teen Wolf, and I haven't felt that kind of excitement for a show since Teen Wolf. Yeah. All the Teen Wolf fans were, that I encountered were just so cool. Yeah. And just really kind, and it was just like just so fun to be part of. It was truly an amazing show that I got to work on and that I got to meet y'all through, you know, and then, you know, we've had so many adventures from that and through Teen Wolf, so, I mean, it's... It's a great show. I'm really happy that we are going to be getting together every week to talk about something that we care about. And you know, returning to Beacon Hills. Yeah. We are returning to Beacon Hills and hopefully introducing the show to, to maybe some new people. And, you know, mainly getting to relive something that we care about with other Teen Wolf fans, yeah. you know, and bring back this show that is now 10 years since the premiere you know, premiered June 5th in 2011. And it's like... Mind-blowing. Yeah. It's incredible that it, it was 10 years ago. Because I, like I said, I remember distinctly seeing the first commercial. And then I remember watching the show when... Because I had already read the scripts at that point, so I knew it was going to be good. And watching the show when it premiered and just be like, how is this on MTV? Like, how is this on any channel? You know, it's like, this This shouldn't be this good. You know, it's like, this has no right to be that good, but it is you're right, Will. I would just really love to see them bring back Teen Wolf. I still have so many questions about it. And it's just such a fun sandbox to play in. That's, I think, why there's still so much fanfic being written about it. You know, I have questions about werewolf ages and holidays and emissaries and all sorts of things I would love to see explored. Even like boring things like we've talked before about werewolf holidays and stuff. (laughs) Yeah I, I feel like that kind of stuff really appeals to me. I love the idea that werewolves have a culture that it's not an affliction it's this whole it's a community of people which I think you know it kind of makes sense because that's how Teen Wolf felt to us. Yeah. So it kind of, you know, it, it's just, it's really fun to delve into that. And yeah, frankly, if they wanted to do more seasons that were just about things that bore people, like, like, do werewolves have a language? Right? Mm-hmm. I would love for them to have their own language that they pass down. This is Kate's way of saying she's a giant nerd. 
Yeah, that's true. And, you know, like, do they have their own language? What's Werewolf Hanukkah like? I, I, I want to know answers to these hard-hitting questions. I just still want to know, like, how do werewolves age? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we will get now, to that. Me. Yes, that's one of the many topics we'll be exploring as uh, we are rewatching the series and maybe coming at it with uh, coming at it from new perspectives because it's been ten years since the show started and it's been four years since it ended. Yeah, we got a lot that we're going to try and do on this podcast. We're very excited for everyone to join us every week, and we will be having guests on the podcast. We've already booked a couple of them that I think everyone will be excited to learn about. And we'll be sharing more information about that with y'all in the coming weeks. But, um, you know, what we're going to do with this podcast is rewatch the episodes and re-dive into this story that we love so much. And we're going to have some behind the scenes stories that hopefully I can relay about my time on the show and, and you know, Kate and Calista's experiences being extras multiple times on the show and also getting to speak with special guests on our episodes to talk about their time on the show and what Teen Wolf means to all of us and how it is an important show and how it changed all of our lives for the better. I think I can definitely say that with some surety. It definitely changed our lives. That concludes our inaugural episode of Return to Beacon Hills. We hope you had as much fun listening as we did talking about all things Teen Wolf. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at RTBH Podcast, as well as on Tumblr and TikTok at Return to Beacon Hills. If you'd like to ask us questions or offer suggestions for future topics to discuss, you can email us at returntobeaconhills at gmail.com. Join us here next week when we talk to Ashlyn Siobhan, agent leader at the Teen Wolf Amino. Rate and review us on iTunes. Five-star reviews get a shout-out. Have a great week, and we'll see you again soon on Return to Beacon Hills. Dude, it's Beacon Hills.